0: Coming up, Ronald Acuna Jr., 40-70 season. Is he going to win the MVP award? Then we talk about some of the surprising seasons in 2023. Which players are doing a bit better or worse than you might have expected? Also, we talk about how the Brewers are able to make the playoffs despite such a lackluster offense. And where do the Padres go from here? Find out right now. Hello, listeners. My name is Alex Jonitz, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Travis Miller. I am more of a stats nerd. He was a total stud on his D3 college team. This is
1: the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. Enjoy. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Two Tools Baseball Podcast, episode 110. Alex and Eric coming to you. It is Wednesday, September twenty seventh. AJ, how we doing? I actually have one question for you. Uh, it's a little popular topic we've been hearing on social media, but uh, earlier on Sunday, Taylor Swift was seen at the Kansas City Chiefs game for uh, a specific tight end. Uh, what do you think about you know her putting Travis Kelsey on the map? Like we never knew who this guy was before. Sunday and now we do. Like isn't that, isn't, that, isn't that pretty amazing?
0: Yeah, she obviously targets the low key guys, you know, the uh under the radar guys like uh superstar Travis Kelsey. Mm-hmm. Um not to steal a bit from a different podcast, but uh I did hear someone making a point that um Travis Kelsey might be the most popular person most famous NFL player right now outside of Patrick Mahomes. And honestly, ever since Brady retired, like it was kinda like Mahomes then who's next? And like you maybe think like, I don't know, Burrow, Josh Allen, Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers, not really sure. Um, it could be Kelsey now, honestly, just given all this extra attention. It's kind of crazy. It's kinda crazy. But um that- You have
1: that Brady Gronk energy now going to Mahomes and uh Kelsey. And now uh Kelsey's been put on the map even more, right? I mean I,
0: I saw I saw a lot of funny tweets and someone said like Taylor Swift's going to make a breakup song about how like, (laughs) about how like, uh, like Kelsey is just not the red zone threat that Gronk was or something like that. Just like, just like for some reason, like favoring Gronk over. uh, Yeah. I, I,
1: I don't, I mean, you could say what you want. I mean, it, it, it could just be like a little monthly or, you know, how, however, how long it's going to be like a little fling.
0: Apparently she's going to be at the Jets game on Sunday. I I know. And and then Sunday night
1: football, it's going to be, uh, it's gonna be fun. I know uh, Zach Wilson's gonna want to go off. Are,
0: are you uh, are you a conspiracy guy, Travis? Is this um is this uh,
1: is this set up by the NFL to get some it, it's uh, the uh, it's I think it's on their uh what is it, their script? Yeah, I, I, it's probably. all it's all on the script and uh that you know Goodell's just the puppet master out there working it. But uh we'll get back to baseball, but uh just a fun little uh uh fun little thing, first ninety seconds thing on social media I've seen, and it's in it's funny seeing like wives tell their husbands and their husbands' reactions are just like priceless because they're just like are you kidding me like that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard like Travis Kelsey's been the best tight end since 2019 or whenever uh, Gronk was out of his prime but um, we'll go back to baseball Alex it's uh, we're I mean we're down the home stretch a couple games left on the season it's been I tell you Alex I think you know some of these gray hairs in uh, in my side have uh, have been mainly on, on part because of what's happened this year. Uh, you know, as, as the seasons progressed as being an angels fan, it's just, Oh my God, it's felt like a a century of baseball, but, uh, baseball in general, it's been very entertaining. Uh, we've seen some already, some historic performances. We'll get into that right away right now, but, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're one weekend away from finalizing everything. We're going to get into postseason baseball. And it's kind of funny that, you know, dog days of summer in August, September, most american fans sports fans try you know they they shift to college football they shift to the nfl they shift to other sports but i always feel like when you get back into october those fans do come back because they want to see exciting baseball especially now with this wild card round which we're going to talk about uh that's been a great uh that's just been a great add-on by mlb because you get a uh, Nail biter uh, bracket st- style type of baseball tournament that uh, you know we we don't really see too much of, and and we like to see more of. But um, we'll get into all the playoff stuff as the episode goes on, Alex. But let's talk about uh, the history that was made tonight, uh, Wednesday, September twenty seventh. Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. stole his seventieth bag. So basically, he is the first guy and the only guy to accomplish a 40 home run, 70 stolen base season, Uh, and it actually was in very nice fashion. It was an extra innings. He stole the bag about, honestly, 10 minutes ago and then scored the winning run to basically clinch the first place seed to the Atlanta Braves for the playoffs. So it was kind of a cool moment that he gets the stolen base and also Uh, contributes that with the winning run to basically uh, make Atlanta the number one seed uh, I believe throughout the whole entire playoffs, I got to check with what Baltimore may be doing um, to fill the finish season but at least home field advantage right now goes through Atlanta for the NL but thoughts right now on um, on that you know we talked about Judge last year in the milestone of 60 what three home runs he had last year and then you know, this year it's um maybe it was 62 last year. I think 62. I 62. Think. And then this year it's kind of different. You have a, a quirky kind of fun milestone that, you know, you know, we talk about 40-40 seasons as like, wow, that's like a really remarkable thing to do, but 70-40, you know, number that we don't really talk about, but uh thoughts on on that so far and that performance.
0: Yeah, it's super impressive, of course. That goes without saying that uh the feat itself is something just going into this season, we weren't exactly sure how much of an uptick we would see in stolen bases. A lot of people thought, you know, like bags are a bit bigger. The pitchers have to worry about the pitch clock; they're they're limited in how often they can throw over. But the increase that we've seen in stolen bases this year, I think, is more than most people expected. Um, I, I, I'm truly, uh, truly, really impressed about Acuna's ability to get 70 stolen bases outside of the forty seventy thing. I think just if you had to predict um over under Travis going into the year for a stolen base leader, you probably would have said like I don't know like forty eight. Yeah. yeah. Some, something in the forties for sure. Um and that would probably be some guy who's like speed. John Birdie. So yeah, some guy, some, some <laughs> speed only guy who just um maybe is on a on a decent team and just like bats first and just gets on base for like, you know. Every opportunity he's running. Every opportunity he's trying to get that steal. So um, for it to be a guy like Acuna, who is such a uh, threat on the base pass and also in the batter's box, um, and also has a great arm in the outfield, um, it's obviously a really special season. My hot take, though, Travis, is I just don't really care about forty seventy. 70 Like those numbers like it's like impressive because of how high they are but like i don't really like if he had 40 69 i wouldn't be like oh what a shame like, yeah. that's still yeah.
1: really crazy impressive um it's like those type of you know milestones where it's like oh he finished his career at 499 home runs like i
0: guess he sucks it's like what do you want me to say poor like,
1: guy he won't be able to even, he's not he's not gonna be in cooperstown anymore yeah it's yeah. like
0: obviously the extra uh couple steals a couple homers that kind of make or break i mean think about how many 38 38 seasons, there have been probably so many, right? Like, um, so many more at least than the 40 40s. And I think all those seasons, you know, there's so much more that comes into value in terms of how valuable a player is than just like you know, pick two counting stats and are they 40 40 40 70? And also, the other thing is this Um, 40 40 watch, Acuna's kind of been on that watch for a while. We all know, all knew he could do it. Um, and everyone kind of said it would be an indicator for him winning an MVP award, but the five people who have done it before, Travis, um, Alfonso Soriano in 2006 for the Nationals, A-Rod for the Mariners in 98, Barry Bonds for the Giants in 96, and Jose Canseco for the A's in 1988. Wow. Only one of those guys won the MVP, which was Jose Canseco. Hmm. So Hmm. it kind of goes to show you This by no means in my mind is like, oh, now it has to be Acuna as the MVP award. However, Travis, a couple weeks ago we did have a conversation, Mookie Betts versus Acuna. I was leaning Mookie Betts. Um, It all comes down to kind of where the numbers finish after the last games on Sunday. But as of right now, I think Acuna just had a great last couple weeks. He had a couple, like two home run games. Uh, a lot of multi-hit games, a lot of stolen bases since then, and not that Mookie has really slumped in a big way, but um, I think Acuna, um, obviously for America and for yourself, he like is leading the MVP race by himself right now over yep. Bets. But for me, it went from Bets favored to I think now Acuna favored slightly. But you know, it all comes down to in my mind. Um, I don't care about the narrative or the forty seventy that much. I just want to see what does your end of season totals look like in terms of your offense your defense, your base running, your overall war, your overall value. I'm going to take all, all of it into consideration. So, I am super impressed. Um I want to celebrate this, you know, crazy achievement. I think that um if you showed someone 40-70 going into this year, you'd be like that guy has to be a lock for the MVP. So, yeah. um it's it's just uh, it feels it feels historic in many ways. So
1: And and I I will point to this, you know, MLB just posted, you know, the 4070 and like a kind of a cool graphic. And, you know, they also shared right then after that, you know, Acuna stole the bag to clinch the number one seed. I mean, it again, I don't care about any of this, even though I am rooting for the guy to win the MVP, but it just adds so much more to the narrative to the writers that they're saying, oh, like he got the stolen base to basically score the winning run to basically send Atlanta to be the number one seed. And you know, the writers right now are, I mean, besides LA writers, maybe some other writers that are in favor of Mookie Betts, but I just feel like right now, Alex, we're looking at a at a guy that will probably get, like, almost, like, 90% of the vote, I feel like. I, I just feel like they're going to say, Mookie you had a really good season, but, like, Acuna's was special, and, like, the Braves were so good, and, like, he was the most valuable player on a winning team. Now, again, these are all things that I completely disagree with because, like you mentioned, we'll talk about the AL side. The American League MVP, which was locked up back in May, June, probably, uh, th- that guy plays for an awful baseball team right now, and we could all say, it does not matter if your team is winning or losing. I want to see who's going to. Win. That award belongs to the best player in both league, um, regardless of what the uh, of what regardless what the team's you know overall record is. It is nice to be on a winning team and be a star studded player, but. That's just not how it works. I think with uh, with what, what me and you care about, but
0: yeah, um, and, and we'll just we'll just park there for just a brief moment um, before the podcast. I mentioned to you, I saw a Mad Dog a Russo clip. Uh, for those uninitiated, he Mad Dog is a baseball talking figure, um, long <laughs> kind of right, long time. Um, I so, do
1: I do enjoy him on uh, on first take because it's really funny seeing like Stephen A's thought process with Mad Dogs with like richard sherman at times too and like i just feel like all these guys like gang up on mad dog and then he kind of like goes like back on like old school and then i i just it's almost honestly it's comedy at most points because like Stephen a's baseball knowledge is just not good right but like hearing them talk about football is really funny too and it's just again it's, it's back and forth and it, i think mad dog still thinks that like larry bird's probably the best nba player of all time or something like that,
0: that that's, that's probably accurate i i know that you know He's one of these guys. I, I have a pretty good sense of what a lot of these like media figures in sports are gonna say, what their opinions are gonna be, because they kind of lean on their biases and stuff like that. But when it comes to Mad Dog, I know that he has like these extreme opinions and extreme bias. But I can never tell you exactly which way it's gonna go. Like it, it, he says some of the craziest craziest things. That like all I know is it's gonna be old school, kind of old old head takes. But in regards to like who he's gonna be biased towards, like I really have no idea. And this time, um, he was pretty much saying. That uh, Otani can't be the AL MVP uh, this season, and the reasons he gave were: first of all, the team is terrible, and you and I would both say the Angels have performed very poorly. Yes. Um, this is not anything to do with that. It, you know, he said this is not the best player. This is the most viable player, and we always just you and I always say that's just the same thing. Like, it, yeah. you, the best player is contributing the most value but the thing they're contributing to is so down in the dumps that's just not making a big enough difference. It's not like if you switched Otani with, you know, Corey Seager or Kyle Tucker or one of these other guys. It's not like those teams just all of a sudden missed the playoffs now because they're missing that Corey Seager yeah. piece, you know. But anyways, he says he says he's like, "I'll be honest, I don't know who who I would pick because there's not a lot of good contenders in the American league right now. Cause Seeger missed all those games. He said, maybe even you would consider Yandy Diaz. So that, that is just kind of a funny little uh, voting advice for you voters out there. Um, Voting advice from a mad dog, maybe consider Yandy Diaz over Shohei Otani. Um, and, and, And he also made points about, the guy hasn't pitched since, like, early August. He hasn't played the last three weeks. Yeah. He's been away from the team to get surgery at some points. But it's like, it all that matters is what quality of baseball did you produce at what level for this season? And even though Otani's going to be playing less games than a lot of guys, I think he's still going to have more games played than Corey Seager. Yep. And that being said... I still think that despite the team's record, there's just no way to argue who produced the most value, who produced the most uh, in terms of offense, in terms of on the mound. I don't think anyone in baseball um, came close to replicating. I saw some guy on Twitter too. He was like, bro, like, I I forget if they are talking about uh, I forget. I, th- mm-hmm. I feel like it was honestly maybe an Aaron Judge conversation or something, but they were saying, like, bro, Otani doesn't even play good defense. And I was like, yeah, it's what just... are you talking about? Yeah. Like, the pitcher is the hardest defensive. I got to sneeze. Oh, no. Oh, it went away. Thank God. All right, yeah. Okay, we're good. Keep it, <laughs> keep, keep it rolling. Uh, we'll won't, won't edit that out. Uh, you guys can all uh, enjoy that. But, yeah. Um, Yeah, I think that the uh, idea that, you know, Otani doesn't play defense um, because he's a DH, um, it's silly. You know, his body's recovering uh, from pitching, you know, seven, eight innings. So we should not spend the whole episode on Otani. We should keep it rolling, Travis. I'll Um, say this, Alex. Uh, Yeah,
1: yeah, he hasn't pitched since middle of August. He hasn't really hit since beginning of September, and he's going to end the year at a 10 war. So that that, that just kind of tells you he did all that without playing for an entire month of baseball. And if he's healthy— you know, he's getting to 11 war, possibly even near 12 war. Uh and, and that's just the war is such a good telling sign that you could you could say to the to the av- average, you know, fan and viewer, he was able to do this without a month of baseball playing. And some of these guys like Mookie and Acuna who are having the best kind of baseball playing right now, they're still down at an 8.1 or an 8.3. They're nowhere near a 10 and Otani still did that. Um, without, you know, uh, a lot of health uh, with him for the last couple of weeks and, you know, last six weeks of pitching and last month of um, of hitting. So it's, again, it, it's it's a stupid argument. And I, again, we, like I mentioned, we could spend all day on on criticizing how Mad Dog kind of used how he looks at valuable but players. But uh, end of day, this thing was locked up in June. We were talking about it in July as like at the All-Star break. It's, it's pretty much done and over with. The big question is, Will he be traded to the NL or the or will he stay in the AL? And that's what Vegas as well was also holding off on some of their odds. They just didn't know if he was going to make a uh, jump to the NL. And if he jumped to the NL, how does that affect the voting in the NL rather than the AL? And that kind of gets, you know, that can get confusing in itself as well. And but it, it, um,
0: It's crazy, Travis. If you just sort uh, AL, war, by position players. So this is ignoring Otani's pitching. Yep. Despite the games he missed, he's only behind... Uh, Corey Seager Marcus Semien And Gunnar Henderson Yeah So Otani has just a DH No pitching Despite missing the last few weeks Of the season He is still A top four position player Only this season And, and what's he, that number? And then that's at six Okay And then uh, Semien's lead Semien leads uh, Position player AL War at 7.2 mm-hmm. And so Otani being at six That's amazing so, in itself I, I, Yeah and, As yeah. a DH That's gotta be one of the better DH seasons ever And yeah. then Um you have to factor in, okay, Semi and Seager Henderson, those are the guys who could potentially edge out Otani in, in baseball reference war. Are any of their defense remotely comparable to Otani being like a four-win pitcher? Obviously not. So, um, Travis, that might be a good time to transition into a little segment I wanted to do where we highlight some different players. And I kind of wanted to briefly just touch on um, some guys who in many people's minds were probably having a pretty good season. And I want to kind of say, I don't want to dump on them, but kind of show some interesting stats and be like, hey, actually, this guy might not be having a great season. There might be a lot of hype going. And there's other guys, Travis, who I think for most of the season kind of got dumped on and kind of weren't super impressive out of the gate, but kind of snuck up and actually have some impressive numbers backing them up. So um, I'll just start with with one, Travis, that I am finding right now. I have a list on my phone, but I just found someone 30 seconds ago, and I really cannot believe what I'm seeing. That is going to be the sixth-place guy in American League position player war this season on baseball reference. At sixth is Andres Jimenez on the wow. Cleveland Guardians. I thought he was having a really bad year, and I think offensively compared to last year, he was really underperforming. But the only position players that have a higher baseball reference WAR are Wander Franco, who um, Jimenez might even pass him uh, in the in the next five games because he's only 0.1 behind. Um, Otani is above. Gunnar Henderson is above Corey Seager and Marcus Semien. So that's really special company for Jimenez. And I, I kind of wonder, okay, now why is that? Why is he at 5.3 uh, Baseball Reference WAR, and it looks like he does lead defensive WAR. On baseball reference, by a wide margin, Le- leading American League at two at two point eight. Um, you know the guys below him: uh, Dalton Varsho, um, Volpe, who will come up a bit later, Wander Franco, and, and Simeon, like, um, and Kiermaier, and no one else is even above two. And Jimenez is up at two point eight. But Travis, that's just someone who, if I look at the numbers, I mean, OPS plus is at a hundred. Last season, he was at a. He finished at a 141 last year. Like, oh my goodness. Like, it feels like the fall off was so dramatic, you know? And it was in in many ways, but the defense has just been so good. It's been able to carry him to a 5.3 war, which compared to 7.4 last year, it's a big step down. He was MVP six last year. That's pretty crazy. But um, yeah, I think overall, if he keeps playing the level of defense, he also stole 30 bags. He can be a high, a super high contributing player even if he's a hundred OPS guy, an average hitter, but any thoughts on him?
1: Yeah. Not even looking at his page jogs I would have just told you he had an awful year yeah. uh, from what he had in 2022. Um, looking at the war that that is a big surprise. You know, he could finish a year at a 5.5 or higher, which I mean, you, you tell me a guy's going to, you know, a second baseman's going to finish a year at, you know, five and a half war or higher. That's that's, that's a, you're going to get some MVP votes right there. Um, but I, I, yeah, I, I will mention I basically off my radar the entire season, but pointing it out now, Alex, that that is true. That, that is really impressive. We'll say... Not the guy you'd want to have probably for your fantasy league because if your fantasy league cares about batting average, home runs, RBIs, you know, runs, stolen bases, he's not going to really be a huge thriller in all those categories right now. With an OPS plus at 100, you know, an an, an average uh, MLB hitter this year with not a lot of pop like he had last year. But the defense is on full display and a good person to definitely, you know, shout out or at least uh, look at that. Definitely probably had a huge second half to kind of spike Uh, the numbers and the defense consistently staying very good uh, throughout the season is also a huge plus.
0: Another guy who I I briefly mentioned um, that we can uh, jump to someone else who is really high on the defensive war list is going to be Anthony Volpe on the Yankees. I think when he started the season, Travis, everyone kind of had this thought that, you know, this guy is just um, not ready for the big leagues. I'm not sure. I think his, his offense was struggling early. Um, I'm not sure if there's any errors, but he, I think he's been a pretty sound fielder. But anyways, mm-hmm. a, a 207 batting average on the year is not great. Uh, not a great um, on base either, an 81 OPS plus. So the offense clearly needs to take some strides forward. But I, I am seeing some promising signs that I think are worth noting here. So he did have uh, 21 home runs, um, able to get 24 stolen bases, as a rookie, I think is somewhat impressive. He's only his age 22 season, only played shortstop, and he played it at a very high level, um, enough to get him up to 3.2 baseball reference war as a rookie. I mean, if I just told you, you know, 207 average, 284 on base, you'd probably be like, oh, this guy, like, he probably just did nothing with the bat. He probably um was a negative player but he actually was an above average guy by war um so i think he's someone that's kind of fun to look at as you know i don't think yankee nation is down on him per se i think they have so many other issues with their team and their construction and their ownership and everything else but um volpe in my mind um is probably a little bit more of a bright spot than a sour spot for me even though i think back in like May, June, everyone was like, dude, this guy is just not no shot at the rookie of the year. And obviously he still won't win it, but he's going to, I think he'll get votes actually just because, um, the over 20 homers over 20 steals, a good war, really good defense on a team that, you know, didn't have much else going for it. So he's a fun guy to mention Travis. Um,
1: and I, and you know, I will mention as well. I mean, playing shortstop for the New York Yankees, when there was a guy playing, six years ago that was the the face of the franchise you know we all know who I'm talking about Derek Jeter but uh to be put in that role and you know he is the new age at the shortstop position for the Yankees you know I think if you ask fans they how, how are they going to finish the decade at shortstop Anthony Volpe will be playing shortstop for them in 2030 you know he is now the new uh I will not say face of the franchise but he's just the new he's the new guy at shortstop that's going to be there for over five you know, plus years, you know, we had years of Didi Gregorius and years of, of, uh, of Galber Torres, but they just weren't getting the job done,
0: kind of. Yeah. They, yeah. they never, they never got a guy that was the cornerstone.
1: Exactly. And a guy that got that grew up in the system, um, he will be a guy that will be, you know, he he's going to be the guy for, for the rest of the decade, or at least I, I definitely think so. And what you mentioned, you know, 21 home runs, 24 stolen bases. Those are two very good promising signs. The pop definitely can be improved on uh you know you do 21 home runs in your rookie year man you 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 can almost promise that he's gonna hit 30 you know multiple years he's gonna have 30 or more home runs which is really cool to see out of the shortstop position and then also the speed is already there so it's good to see those things he definitely does need to improve on some of these percentage stats because the batting average on base and slugging those are all very dreadful he's at an 81 ops plus but um but i think so far a good foundation to really build off of and build on uh for anthony volpe so he's one guy that um you know in two or three years we could be talking about as he's going to be a top five mvp mvp vote getter because he could really improve on that defense and also the power and the speed is all there the like i always like to mention he's kind of like he could be the five tool kind of guy that that most teams you know pray that they can get someone like that that can have all facets of the game uh on display so it's it's definitely a season you want to build off of but um you can almost only think that uh, you, you you can only go up from here with some of these numbers because um, the, the the talent is there. That's what I'll say. So I I mean, props to him, because like I mentioned, like with Andres Jimenez, you know, you, if you just told me, what, what do you think of Volpe? Not looking at numbers, I would have said, I mean, he wasn't in the headlines at all this year. If it was, it was for bad things. So, you know, he's a guy that just needs to really, you know, build off some of these things and really work on it. But um, it's it's it, sh- it should show promising signs for the New York Yankees at shortstop. Um, totally
0: agree. Another guy who is kind of lumped in with Volpe a lot is Jordan Walker. Um, he has had a really interesting season. I'll say, um, zero WAR by Baseball Reference, zero WAR despite 398 at bats. Um, the one thing I want to highlight here is the 116 OPS plus. This is from a guy who started the season. Um, As a 20-year-old, right? So he is someone who was 20 making his MLB debut just back in uh, like last day of March was his debut, so March 30th. Um, So this is someone who has a great offensive ceiling, very high. He crushes the ball. Travis, earlier this year, he was hitting so many grounders. The average was terrible. He got sent back down to the minors and, I, and he got called back up. Doesn't that feel like a lifetime ago when we were talking yeah, about and, that? And,
1: and I believe also we were looking at a Jordan Walker in spring training that was hitting nukes and hitting like, yeah, I think he had like six or seven home runs in spring training. And we we're like, oh my God, this guy's exit velocity. Like he's going to have 35 home runs, 40 home runs this year for the Cardinals. The Cardinals are going to be great. It didn't turn out that way for both, but it, uh, it, it didn't. Uh, yeah. It, it's pretty amazing. You, you point out the zero war. I would have just never would have guessed that. Yeah.
0: And, and so it's for me. He's almost like both sides of the coin like he in many ways didn't live up to the hype because he has zero war but in another way he was almost I feel like getting dragged through the dirt by like you know not bu- not calling him a bust but pretty much saying like oh bad season like this guy needs to go back to the minors he got sent back to the minors yep. he came back up and he's finishing the season with roughly a 276 average 345 on base 447 slugging a 116 OPS plus is very good for someone who is 20 and 21. Yeah. Um, throughout this season, good rookie so, season. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's it's I think the offense. sorry, the defense and the outfield clearly needs a lot of work. Uh, it is a weakness. I did see him make a good diving play the other day. Um, that had a really low catch probability, like 10, percent and he made a diving grab in the alley. So, um, you know, th- there's there's work to be done. I think also there will be some potential DHing in his future. I'm not exactly sure where he'll settle in, but um, defense is something that can potentially be worked on to some extent. If the bat stays, um, I mean, it will almost certainly go up from a 116 OPS plus. That's a great uh, point for a young hitter who's just 21 uh, to build off of at the big league level. So I wanted to briefly kind of touch on him. Um, Travis, I'm going to ask you a question here. What do you think of, and I think I know the answer already, what do you think of when you think of Hobie Milner.
1: Uh, game one of the 2020 season. That's uh, right. Walk off Grand Slam bomb for Matt Olson. Uh, We're
0: watching that together, Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> Just, a, I mean, a guy that I confidently could say is not going to be in the major leagues in two years. You know, one of those guys. But I, I know where this is going, Alex. He's he's had a stellar, stellar season. Um yes. Someone that I... I thought he should be demoted down to high school because, I mean, I I think he was throwing like 82 miles an hour or or just the velo was not very good. So uh, I saw a post on him a couple days ago and it was the first post I've seen about him probably in a couple months. And yeah, I I mean, what do you, what do you say? Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. He, he, he really, so in his rookie year, he threw 31 innings uh, for the Phillies um, in, in relief. In 2017, and he had a really good 2.01 ERA. But that was a really small sample size, 31 innings. Uh, ever since then, Travis, it's been really bad ERA pluses year in, year out. It was 61 ERA plus in 2018. It was a—in 2019, it was a 65 ERA plus. For the Angels in 2020, Travis, only threw 13 innings. It was a shortened season. Had over an 8 ERA in 19 games pitched. So— 19 games pitched, but 13 in the third innings. That tells me you didn't make it through a lot of innings, right? A lot of times you probably got pulled in and then had to get removed before you even finished the inning. Um, Yeah, I mean, it was 12 earned runs in 13 innings um, that season. So 2021 with the Milwaukee Brewers, also not great. Last year, trended in the correct direction, above 100 ERA+. plus. So we're back on the positive side. You're an above average pitcher now coming out of the bullpen for 64 innings was decent this year travis completely different uh level levels that we've not seen in his career before he has a 1.85 era out of the bullpen 72 games uh pitched in which leads for relievers 63 innings 63 and a third innings pitched Um, The ERA plus is at a 236, so he's just way, way blowing everybody else out of the water. Um, in terms of compared to MLB average And the FIP, the FIP is very good too So it's just kind of showing that the Brewers Made some very meaningful tweaks I don't think he's going to be a 1.85 year away guy Next year per se But they really got the most out of him this year He's he's a funky left-handed Sidearm kind of guy for those that don't aren't Familiar with him but he's not a free agent Until 2026 and it feels like this is One of those other Brewers success stories Right Travis? Yeah a
1: lot of props to the Brewers And their pitching staff and their pitching coach Because he, you see when he joined the Brewers numbers just got better every single year um and from what from what we remember alex it was again it was not pretty when he was an angel and even before that uh not too pretty to start off his major league career but props to the last two years he's really kind of turned it around um and again we'll see uh, how the brewers handle this if, if they think he can even go better i mean it, it, the trends have been showing that every year he gets better i, I don't know if he can get better than a 1.8 uh i would bet that he's not going to get better than that but uh Definitely a, a a great job by the Brewers, you know, uh, pitching system to uh, to really turn his uh, career around.
0: Yeah, and obviously the Brewers are really smart. They're probably using him in some level of a specialist role, using him against lefties, uh, making the most out of what he's good at. But you just can't debate with uh, sixty-three over 63 innings pitched and a sub-2 ERA out of the pen. That's about as locked down as it's going to get from a guy who's not even really their closer. He only has six games finished this season of his 72 games appeared in so he's just a high leverage arm for them that i expect to hopefully make an impact in the postseason that'd be fun yeah
1: and what's funny too like you mentioned 72 games pitched only 63 and one third inning um uh 63 and one third innings pitched and uh 72 games pitched so like you mentioned the the, the roles he's being uh, put in are, you know, go out there and get two outs, go out there and get one out kind of thing. And so yeah. the the matchups are definitely uh, uh, taking to his advantage most likely.
0: Great. It's a great point because I, I totally agree. Um, counsel, Travis, I'm not sure. I don't think it's all up to counsel. There's obviously pitching coaches and front office decisions that go into these smart teams decisions. But I, I think I, I I heard and I read that Craig Council the uh, Brewers coach is a free agent after this season. So he is actually someone, Travis, who me as an angels fan, I, I think know, I know it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I don't expect he'll Nevin to be the coach next year for the angels. I think council would be a great hire for Perry, assuming yep. Perry even has a job, but we'll save all that for the offseason. Yeah. <laughs> um, k- keeping it rolling on this fun little game we're doing here. Ellie De La Cruz, Travis, he is a superstar in the making and I don't want to take anything away from him. I, if you look at his season numbers, Travis, it's not that impressive. Um, he yeah. ha, he had a great start. He's still an, an electric player, but I mean his offense is substantially substantially worse than a guy like Jordan Walker, who you mentioned. The WAR is is at a .7 through how many games played are we at here? It
1: looks like it's because he plays infield. You know, N-
0: ninety four games played. Yeah. Um. So the WAR is above average. Um, He is playing shortstop, which is a very difficult defensive position. So props for that. But Travis, in, gosh, in 94 games played, he has 139 strikeouts and only 33 walks. So I think that the discipline needs to take a step up. Um, He's at a 234 batting average, 299 on base, 409 slugging which is good for an 87 OPS plus. So quite a bit below league average offensively, which I think almost every fan of the game who's been following uh, this season will say, man, Ellie De La Cruz, what a breakout year. And I agree, the tools are all there and he's super exciting, but I, I'm not super sold on him being like, you know, I mean, I think even Travis, like he, he debuted halfway, he debuted like halfway through the year And people are like, could he sneak into the MVP conversation? Or sorry, sorry, the Rookie of the Year conversation? Like, could he be a late entry to that race? I'm like, dude, he's finishing with an 87 OPS plus. You know, 33 steals and 13 homers in about half a season is pretty good. Yeah. But um, are you surprised by these numbers?
1: I am. I truly am. I mean – the media, the media does a great job at hyping him up, and I feel like you only see posts where he hits like a bomb or like you know gets. Uh, hey, did he a cycle this year? I think so. Yeah, yeah. it's a hit this. I think I don't know if it was against the Dodgers, but um, I think he maybe hit his first home run in the majors was against the Dodgers. But uh, yeah, you only see kind of these hype videos, and you know what? Again, he's a very exciting player, and yes. I, I give him props, and I, I'm very excited to see what happens in his career, what happens in the next couple of years, and you know how the the Reds. Uh, team as a whole can compete for, uh, for a for division title but yeah very surprised by these numbers um, I, I would have never thought the, these are the percentage stats that he was offering um, you know it almost looks like a uh, you, you kind of compare this in a uh, Anthony Volpe and you're kind of really puts things into perspective like wow you know Volpe is being criticized every week or every yes. day and Ellie is being praised but when you look at the value Volpe is actually doing better and, and and you would not think that at all if you told me, you know, right now before the episode started, you know, who had a better season, Volpe or Cruz, uh, Dela Cruz, I, I would have hundred percent said, oh, Dela Cruz without a doubt, without looking at the numbers and you look at the numbers now and you're like, not, not, not so much, but, uh.
0: And, and, and that's a great conclusion to come to. And by no means am I trying to be like, oh, this guy, he's not that good. Like, he, I hope he has a great career and he very well may have an awesome career because the tools are all there. He just, in my mind, needs to make some tweaks. And I just hope that, you know, the fan who... Is talking about the sport with their friends um takes a look at the stats and says oh this guy actually his on base is pretty low um he doesn't walk that much he strikes out a lot yeah um also some of the slugging numbers are pretty low too because he hits a ton of ground balls so the ops has really struggled this year um and
1: i, I think we're all i think you know since 2019 2018 alex i think we've been, we've just been so spoiled with the young success that that you know the young talent that is so successful at the start of their career. Juan Soto, Fernando Tatís Jr., Ronald Acuña Jr., that we look at some of these young players that are 20, 21 and we expect them to be MVP caliber right away. And that's not only the, that's not always the case and seeing these guys do it from the start has just been a uh, definitely an outlier uh compared to the rest of all these young rookies or young major league baseball players, but it, it is a little unfair because we look at some of these guys and we say, you know, why aren't you doing more? Um, You know, Ellie de la Cruz or Anthony Folpe, uh, when you got guys like, you know, Corbin Carroll who are, you know, off the freaking rails, you know, hitting uh, the way he's hitting this year that we, we, we criticize them or, you know, we, we, we are, we're confused at why they're not doing the same thing. And, you know, it, it, it's tough for some guys to come up in the major leagues and, and to start hitting right away. So, um, That's kind of my note on that, just looking at some of the studs of the last five years that we've seen. Like I mentioned, a Juan Soto, a Tatis, or a Cunha that automatically, you know, they come in the league and they are MVP MVP caliber right away. So,
0: Um, Travis, I want to go back to the Brewers real quick. I probably should have went here before um, the Ellie thing. I think the Brewers, let's just park here for a second, actually, because the Brewers, are someone who they're a team that I think is so interesting. They are in terms of their level of success this season and how they are getting their results. So I have a MLB all thirty teams sorted by OPS plus. So this is a team OPS plus man the braves are at 124 as a team that's insane they are incredible second place is rangers at 115 yeah there are nine uh spots nine ops plus points ahead of second place um and then after that you got teams like the dodgers the rays the astros the orioles the phillies the teams that you'd expect yes yeah to find the brewers travis you have to go down to the bottom 10 of the league let me see they are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight teams worse than them. They have uh, so pretty much the ninth worst offense in the league by OPS Plus. It's at 92.
1: Um, I'll say this. Their best hitter is William Contreras, who has a 125 OPS Plus, and that is the entire Braves team OPS Plus right there, which is pretty remarkable that you look at their best hitter has and that mark that the Braves' he, whole team has.
0: And he, it's funny that he was came from the Braves last season. He came season. from the Braves last year, yep. So yep. Um, that's a fun little uh, comparison there. Travis, if you want to kind of know what, how are the Brewers able to be um, a team that's – I mean obviously the NL Central is not um, the most competitive division this year, but the Cubs came on in a way, the Reds came on in a way where the Brewers, they couldn't just fold it in and just say, hey, let's just pack it up and just – Take, yeah. our, take our third place, our first round exit. No, they actually had to kind of make somewhat of a push this year um, in order to make it this far. And um, the reason for that is obviously not the offense, as we're discussing. It is the pitching. If you sort all of MLB teams by ERA+, they actually lead baseball. They're at 116. ERA+, is the Milwaukee Brewers. Behind them, it's the Jays, the Twins. The Yankees, actually, really high. But um, the Brewers being that high, Travis, it tells me... That they are just able to, um, like in the case of Hobie Milner, they can get guys, retool them, make them into a competitive piece that can help them win. Now, Um, out of the bullpen, they can convert starters into relievers, relievers into starters. They get creative with it. Um, And just looking at some of their pitching, Travis, I think it was twenty twenty one when they had the the uh, uh, almost Corbin Carroll, Corbin Burns. Uh, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, just big three. Um, last year it wasn't so much the case, and then this year Travis, in many ways, it's kind of back. Even though no one's really talking about it, I mean, because you see the Corbin Burns, a three four six ERA, it's not. That good compared to his previous seasons, he set a standard that was so high for himself. And Peralta is at a three eight six, which is also not blowing anyone's mind. It's it's a slightly above average, but they've both come on stronger of late than uh, they started the season. Um, and then Woodruff is someone Travis who did miss a lot of time this year, but in sixty seven innings pitched, is at a two two eight era and i think that what they're able to do in the rotation is gonna be a pretty strong force um, against pretty much any nl team obviously the braves are an offense that i don't wish any pitching uh staff i don't think any pitching staff will be incredibly (laughs) successful against but I think what the Brewers have been able to do, putting together this squad of guys, you know, Devin Devin Williams, another just fantastic year for him. 35 saves, a 1.59 5 9 ERA. Uh, we already mentioned Hobie Milner has been a great guy out of the pen. Elvis Paguero has had a good year. He came from the Angels and part of that Renfro trade. Um, what about Joel Payamps? Byams Travis, he's at two six two. I mean Bryce Wilson out of the bullpen, and he was
1: pitching for the Braves a couple of years ago in the playoffs, wasn't he? Yeah, I yeah, th- yeah.
0: This is the guy who had the uh, the blowout game right against the Dodgers, uh, the I Dodgers. Think in the
1: twenty twenty season, where I think game- they had like ten runs in the first inning.
0: That was game five, right? They were down three one. Am I correct? I think the Braves were up three one in the series, and then the Dodgers like had that like monster Ooh, game. Yes, yep, yep. But anyways, that yeah, that was in the that was in the twenty twenty playoffs in in Texas when they were playing against each other. But Bryce Wilson now a reliever now in the Brewers bullpen and doing very very well. Um, and yeah, Travis, you can just look through all their names. You see tons of special guys, Travis Abner Uribe. <laughs> yeah, twenty three year old, twenty eight and two thirds innings pitched. A one-two-six ERA. I mean, they just got weapons for days out yeah. of this bullpen.
1: And the, um, and the most deadliest weapon of them all is Rowdy Teles. One inning pitch, zero ERA. Aj Travis. He's if also playing first base. If no, you're
0: if you're you know. if you're up nine, uh, nine or ten runs, put that guy in, and he will for sure close it down. But Travis, um, you may have seen this just because I believe you're on their page like I am. I think if I gave you five guesses, maybe even 10 guesses, I don't know if you would have guessed who lead their team in war this year. It is, of course, William Contreras. Yeah, yeah. It's just you probably would guess Yelich, You probably would guess Woodruff. You'd probably guess maybe Burns. Um, even Devin Williams, their closer, is top six, and Hobie Milner is is, is ninth. So you just got a, a really um, unique assortment of guys um, and it's crazy that all this is happening on a down year from uh, Willie Adames. But
1: yeah, it's, it's crazy that you could say you know nobody on the on the Brewers this year will have a WAR above four, and they're only going to have three guys on the team that have wars above three. You know, you think to yourself this will be an awful team. Like, yeah, it's this, just a this, bunch this of is, average players. This is going to be a eighty win team at best. You know cardinals will probably just run away with this division because nobody's good in it but they are truly you know sticking around because of their pitching staff and 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 starting pitching has done a very good job but also looking at the bullpen i mean like you pointed out devin williams bryce wilson uh payams uh holby milner uh and and elvis poguero and some other guys as well i mean it's 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 nice to see that you can give your, you know, starting pitching 5 or 6 innings and then the bullpen can basically shut it down, which is what we're seeing I feel like for the majority of this season. And again, I always say in postseason baseball, you know, a bullpen is very important to have because you notice starts get shorter and shorter as the playoffs get deeper and deeper. Sometimes in the World Series, you'll see a starting pitcher manager will tell the guy give me four innings because we're going to go out there and a maybe give it to another starting pitcher to get us three more innings or we're really going to use the bullpen uh in lengths tonight because uh we want everyone to see different arms when they come back around the bat again so uh you really get you know you get a lot more strategical as the playoffs and 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 the postseason you know uh thickens but uh uh it's it's remarkable this year i mean 88 wins i think they're on pace again for 90 plus wins this year they're going to have the you know first round at home in milwaukee uh we don't know who they're going to be playing yet but um yeah they're they're just a team that i think we've been talking we've been talking about their division the whole season and you know who's going to run away with the nl central same thing with the al central and uh the brewers just kind of stayed course and they're again they're not the sexy pick nobody really fears them especially if you're looking at you know the dodgers and the braves if you have to play the brewers you're kind of looking at it as like
0: a warm up challenge almost give it to
1: us you know we we don't want to play the phillies but the brewers the you know maybe even the d-backs will fear a little bit more but give us the brewers give us the marlins you know those are two teams that we could literally say you know we'll take care of them easily but uh they, they have just been a, uh, a kind of a, a sleeping giant, I would say, right now. And and, and we could see a little bit of a sh- surprise this year for the playoffs. Uh, but uh, it, it truly is remarkable looking at the offense compared to looking at the, uh, the pitching staff right now.
0: Yeah. And, and if you just look at the offense, like you mentioned, Contreras being their best OPS plus, he's having a great year behind the plate because – Somehow the Brewers have a catching lab where they teach guys how to become elite defensive catchers. And they made him into someone who's already a good hitter. And now he's also a good catcher. So the value goes off the charts. But um, him and Christian Yelich are the only two true everyday players who've played all season for them that are above 100 OPS plus. A lot of guys below. The guys that are getting lots of uh, games played. Um, I mean, Travis, like Bryce Terang for them. Has 132 games played over 400 PA's, a 63 OPS plus. I mean, a 288 on base, a 304 slugging. This guy, I mean, he's a below a 600 OPS. Yet he still is getting everyday, yeah, everyday uh, spot on this team, and it just makes me think. You know, he's a young guy. I'm not. I'm not trying to um, say he won't be something good down the road, but it just goes to show how they've really accepted their position of we have a lot of below average hitters and we're okay with that we're going to just ride the pitchers and it all, it, every year we have this kind of conversation if they had just made a couple offensive additions at the deadline like this is a team all of a sudden maybe the brewers are sorry maybe the daughters and braves might be fearing a bit if they could have went out they went out and got i think canna and they went and got um santana but like besides uh, uh, those guys who are you know role role players i'd say i'm not sure there's that many um oh, they picked up donaldson as well who actually has not been terrible for them but um i i wonder if he's even playoff eligible i'm not even sure because they picked him up so recently
1: yeah i um i yeah i don't know i don't think he makes the playoff roster i i don't think he would but uh you're right it hasn't been terrible uh, it, there there are worse players that have been picked up than josh donaldson so I, um, I do give give that props but yeah
0: but like just imagine what could have been if they got a bit more aggressive if they went and got like i don't know like a jake berger if they went and got um i mean so many teams were aggressive we know the angels were aggressive um miami was a buyer uh teams across the board went and added uh offense to their teams uh, and you know the brewers more or less stood pat and I hope it doesn't come back to bite them. I would hate to see some 1-0 losses in the NLDS for them. Right. That would um yeah. that'd be killer.
1: I Or I, even the wild card, yeah. I,
0: I'm trying to imagine, you know, this offense going up against the uh Clayton Kershaws, the Spencer Striders, you know. I, I wonder yeah. what those games will be like um if those series end up happening. But we will kind of leave the Brewers for now and just uh kind of wait to see what they can do um come October. Uh Travis, let's see what else do we have here. Um, I also wanted to kind of oh, wait, I think,
1: yeah, well, one player I wanted to highlight going back to, you know, kind of the surprise players that Go you ahead. Know, maybe have turned it around. But, um, as of late, I actually saw a post, uh, Trey Turner. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it was really interesting. I think it was about 45 games ago. That's when, uh, he got the standing ovation, uh, at Philly first hundred and I think 20 games just completely awful numbers. I think it was only like six home runs, Alex. It was truly amazing that what he did in the world baseball classic just fell apart for the season for the, for the Philadelphia Phillies. But ever since the, uh, the fans in Philly, which, you know, the fans in Philly are typically known for, you know, booing players and just really getting on you if you're not performing, especially when you're making such high amounts of money. Uh, but they still. Stood up, they cheered, they gave him a a standing ovation before and at bat before a game. And I think he had a home run that night as well. But uh ever since then, Alex, he's really just um he's gotten hot. And I will say it's not the season that Trey Turner wanted, it's not the season that the Phillies have wanted, but you know what? They got to the playoffs, they're happy about it. And I will say this: two weeks in October can erase an entire season of slumps. And so that that's the one thing about baseball that truly is a, a beautiful thing about it is that you do well for two weeks and everybody forgets who you were, what you were doing for 162 games from basically March all the way to September. So that's one one thing that's really positive is that they could have a hot Trey Turner going into the playoffs when it really matters. You know, last year, what the Twins were able to do, or I'm sorry, not the Twins, what the Phillies were able to do was remarkable. And um, Trey Turner could really add upon that this year, along with some of those other hitters, too. I mean, we saw Kyle Schwarber come alive. I don't think I've ever seen a more dangerous like postseason hitter Alex since like Barry Bonds. When Kyle Schwarber came to the plate, it was, it was freakish last year that I I feel like the baseball was leaving the ballpark every single game. When Schwarber came to the plate, Uh, his plate discipline and his plate vision was just so impressive. But uh, that's one player I wanted to highlight because I know it's been a down year, but I think that a 10 to 12 games in October could easily change that for Trey Turner.
0: Uh, that's a great point. I'm glad you brought him up. I I was able to highlight. Um, I I went to like the worst part of his, um, OPS on the yep. season and and took it till now. So I'm looking at August 5th to September 26th. So mm-hmm. this is the last 45 games.
1: Perfect. That that and that was the mark that I saw too. It was 45 games since the ovation.
0: Yeah. And, and it's it's a 30. It's a 330 batting average, a 382 on base, a 670 slugging good for a 1052 OPS so uh, a really great offensive stretch um he also in that in those 45 games 16 home runs 12 doubles a triple um and is he stealing bags I assume he's still Twenty nine
1: for the year, so he's been doing yes. it so far the year. But I mean, that's the trade Turner we're we're used to seeing. Eight steals, shows. yeah.
0: Eight steals in that span, okay. Yeah. And then also the team is twenty eight and seventeen in that span, so it's it's definitely a game changer for them. I I still feel like that contract is going to age poorly because, of course, the, yeah. despite the last you know month and a half or two months that's been very impressive, I still feel like um, big picture. This being your first year is not what they were hoping for. If you take the season on, on, a, on, a, on a full view, if you say, okay, 108 OPS plus, a 3.4 war, definitely a down year. But I think the whole point of that segment was the narrative was so down in the dumps, right? He was like one of the worst players and yeah. he was getting paid so much money on a team that was trying to win games. And him turning it around, it helped his team turn it around. They're in the playoffs and it could be huge. Um, if they end up making uh, some noise in October. But, Travis, let's uh, go to one last team, a team that we've talked about a good amount here, Um, and I think it's for good reason. It's going to be the Padres. They had some uh, Josh Hader comments. and So a a couple things about the Padres, right? Um, I think it almost is not talked about enough how crazy them not making the playoffs is they're yep. still not mathematically out of it before this episode started we kind of checked in actually did they lose today let me check if i we think it.
1: they're playing the giants right now um they're tied two two as we 7th. speak but yeah. um there had to be a lot of things done i checked this morning and they were uh basically what has to happen is they have to win out and i think a couple teams have to lose out which the odds of that happening are, are so odds are uh, very small. To none,
0: you know? Yeah. Uh, Padres have a pretty easy schedule going out. The giants are already eliminated. Um, so maybe they'll rest some, some pitchers or something like that. And they played like the, the, the White Sox at the end of the year. But um, this is a tweet from three days ago from Ben Higgins. Um, just because um, he, he basically says the run differential um the Padres this season is plus 91. And it's the second best in franchise history, only behind the 1998 Padres, who they were in the World Series, correct? So,
1: and funny really- enough, Alex, I checked this morning: the Arizona Diamondbacks have a minus seven run differential, and they will be the second wild team as it looks right now. Which, it, which again, it it, it truly it, it I it's one year. I will I will say I cannot explain the results of the wins and losses of the San Diego Padres when you look at the staff era as a whole and also the offense and the players they have but uh we'll talk continue yeah we'll talk
0: awards next week but they probably have the cy young they definitely have a top five five mvp kind of maybe i
1: mean i i I, five six i i still think you you're going to get people giving so much love to guys that don't deserve it, but in a, you know, you know, in our eyes, you know,
0: you're right. Yeah. yeah. But I do think, I think if I made a ballot of a top 10 Travis, I, for the national league, I think Soto and Tatis would both be there, honestly. Yeah, and yeah. they're so in my mind, they have like two uh, top 10 uh, uh, MVP guys. Has Kim had an yeah. absolutely monster Crazy year. Um, they have the Cy Young. They have one of the best NL relievers of the season, if not the best NL closer of the year. It's just so crazy that this team um, is going to go out like this, most likely. But just to kind of quickly um, talk about a, a new development is just a couple days ago, uh, Bob Melvin, the coach, was wanted to call for Josh Hader to come in in an eighth-inning, two-out situation. And Hader's been very clear ever since he joined the Padres, or at least shortly after joining the Padres, that he is a three-out guy. He's a one-inning guy. I'm not sure if that's mostly mental. I'm not sure if it's a pitch count stamina thing. Um, I think in the playoffs, he would be open to potentially being more flexible. I know he's given up some untimely home runs um, when he's been kind of overworked or maybe on a high high pitch count for the day. But what, Travis, as someone who, you know, has played the game uh, for most of your life, when you hear about a player, you know, I feel like the hater situation is like the what people thought was the the Kirby situation, right? Because the yeah, Kirby situation yeah. a couple of weeks ago we talked about in the podcast, he said that like he didn't want to be out there or something like that. But I don't think he really meant that. Hater like full on said like we are not in the playoff race right now, so I am not going to take the mound um, at this moment because I am a three out guy, not a four out guy. But but give me your thoughts.
1: Yeah, any other level of baseball that you make that move i know you're probably cut from the team or you're never going to see the field again but um yeah, yeah i mean it, it is a selfish move uh, especially when the padres are still mathematically in a playoff chase and hunt you know you got to be doing everything right now to help this team win a ball game if your manager calls on you to pitch uh you know basically go out there and get four outs you know you better go out there and do it uh and for Hater right now to you know you know, it, it does, it sucks because it shows your teammates that you're not hundred percent in on this season when, you know, you have, uh, you have, uh, video, uh, not video, video evidence, but you have basically, uh, uh, an end of game interview with, uh, one of the Padres, uh, you know, uh, on field, uh, people for the network, uh, interviewing, uh, Machado and Machado's, you know, I think he, he said the F word out loud in front of like the entire stadium to hear on the mic. And like that's one guy that is committed right now to getting this team to the playoffs because he knows if we got in the playoffs somehow like we are probably the most dangerous team like out of almost you, you could make a good argument like the Padres and the Braves who's more who's more dangerous like I don't know it just depends who comes ready to play that day because the Padres have probably a better lineup. And a better pitching staff. And they just have
0: crazy talent that hasn't
1: clicked. It, exactly. Exactly. So it but back to the hater thing, it is disappointing when, yeah, you're not um you don't have everybody committed and certain guys are, you know, thinking about the offseason or thinking about their, you know, next uh basically city of um of employment. You know, hater is gonna be a free agent. And I think seeing that he's doing this, he's probably not committed to playing in San Diego after this season. So uh, you'll probably be looking at a different spot for Josh Hader next year in a different uniform, but uh, it, it it sucks Yeah, when no one is committed. And, and, you know, that's probably a story that you could look at and say the San Diego Padres this year were just a giant emotional head case that we can't really describe too much because we don't know what happens in the clubhouse. But maybe this team was just maybe this team just hated one another. You know, M- maybe they just were not good teammates to one another. Maybe there was just a lot of emotional Uh, factors that went into it and that's why they're not winning games but the talent's all there but they just cannot win ball games and and maybe that's really a good reason to look at as a a good uh, a good path to you know a successful baseball team is that everybody's committed and everybody gets along the team is you know one family and everybody has one goal to reach and maybe the Padres this year just had different guys with different goals uh, some guys were looking at having you know career years for contract reasons. Some guys are looking to win ball games. Uh, some guys were looking to go to Cabo. I, I don't know, uh, but it, it is uh, it's something you don't want to see in in a player, and, and it's unfortunate that you know one of the best closers in the game kind of you know put his put his face out there to to being uh, or to showing that uh, that he he brings that kind of attitude uh, in certain situations like this. But yeah,
0: yeah, go kind of continuing off the fact that they have a, a chance to be so successful, but I've not been able to do so. Um, Atlanta, let me make sure I have the right numbers here. Atlanta, I'm trying to find, um, where's my run differential numbers? Here we go.
1: 232 I have right now for Atlanta.
0: Yeah, 230, uh I have 231, so okay. maybe you're okay. more maybe you're more up-to-date than I am. I,
1: I'm looking at MLB's site because I, I thought that would be more up-to-date than baseball yeah. reference. I don't know, but the yeah, game's I'm, just ended, yeah.
0: So we'll call it around 230 for them. Um, the Dodgers are up at 204, mm-hmm. and then it's the Cubs at around 100 and the Padres at 94. So it's really crazy that the team with the fourth-best run differential in the National League is potentially can finish with a below 500 record will almost certainly miss out on the playoffs so that just goes to show you that baseball is is hard to predict and even when you have the talent even when you're scoring more runs than your opponents over the course of a season by a landslide sometimes you just are not able to get over the hump um you like you said it could be a clubhouse thing I did see some kind of negative quotes on Machado in the in the in the in the locker room I don't even remember so I don't want to be out here guessing (laughs) but um it was essentially you know there was attitude issues and i think you know a guy like machado probably very frustrated with his performance this season especially coming off last year got a contract extension high expectations for himself and the team that did not come true so i expect a lot of those guys to um you know have a a long off season of Rethinking things, figuring new things out. And I really am curious to see what direction the Padres go in the offseason, Travis, because they are a team now who reportedly ownership wants to cut cost. I heard in an interview or in an interview with the owner or some sort of quotes he 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 let out, he was talking about that basically he wants the team uh, total payroll to be at 200 mil next year. Jeez. Yeah. Um, and then he also apparently wasn't mentioning AJ Preller by name. Someone said that. <laughs> so I don't know if that means his job's in the line. I think that he's done well to put a talented MLB roster out there, but there's obviously things that haven't worked um, for this or that reason. I mean, they were in the championship series last year. It's crazy to think how quickly things changed, but overall, Travis, I wonder how these financial decisions from the owner, how the result of this season is going to affect their decisions on extending Soto, on trying to maybe bid for Otani or other free agents. Are they going to go full pedal to the metal, full gas, and try to field a winner next season? I'm not really sure um, what direction they take. It still feels like if they were getting the amount of wins that their run differential says that they should, they'd be like an 89, 90 win team yeah. right now, according to baseball Reference. And you would fear them as much as anybody. You would say, oh yeah, they could beat the Braves. They could beat the Dodgers. It could happen in a in a five or seven game series. So um, do you think they should just go all in again next season? And obviously it's hard for us to say because it's someone else's money, but do, yeah. you, do you think that they should go all in and they, they can win it all next year? Or do you think that they need to to recalculate some things i
1: mean it sure does feel like it they have the talent alex i mean we keep on saying it you have all that talent and your only option is to go out there and put a winning ball club uh you know out there to play now again the whole the big question for me is going to be the you know the Juan soto uh you know the the one soto uh case that that uh they're gonna have to deal with if they want to keep him and you know I think he, after next year, Alex, he is a free agent, if I'm not mistaken. So he's kind of entering that Otani phase where it's like, do you trade him? Do you keep him? And trade him at the end of the season, and you know, you he loses his uh, overall value. But um, you know, right now, one thing that's going to be a um, a huge cost to that you know 200 million dollar budget that the owners throwing out there is that right now, if you basically add up Tatis, Machado, and Bogart's money. That's that's a hundred million right there. So, you know, Juan Soto is going to want somewhere near forty million dollars if he needs a contract extension. Now you're basically looking at hundred forty million dollars towards four players, and then you got to try and put sixty million dollars towards the rest of the twenty something guys out there to hopefully win uh, w- when you you know uh, a division title or a championship. So, you know, I if if I'm it sucks to say, but I feel like if I am the padres i am probably exploring the trade for Juan soto because i think you either can get good talent right now on cheap contracts or you can get a haul of prospects that possibly could be the new kind of you know phase coming in because i i honestly think a, a healthy productive great tatis and machado in a season alex that's probably still going to get you a wild card spot right there you know Juan soto just puts them over the top for can't, now now we're looking at winning 100 games now we're looking at winning a division title um in the west but um I think they could still get away with making the playoffs without Juan Soto so I think that that's one person that I would be looking at to move because you know you're probably not going to be able to move Machado you can't move Bogarts. you know you possibly could move Tatis but uh that that guy's going to of course be making a lot of money and I you know what what does that look like in a trade uh with other teams so um especially with one thing I'm saying this offseason, stay off the motorcycle, Fernando, because if you come out hurt next season, I, I just feel like the team is going to be looking at it as like, we cannot, we can't do anything right. You know, if we have to, we have, we have to start another year with Tatis on the, you know, let's just say not playing list. I know he was still suspended earlier this year, but you want to have a healthy off season with all these players so that they can come out for 2024 um, and, and hopefully have a big, you know, impact right away. But um, th- that's the tough question I would be looking to ask. And I mean, if I'm, if I'm in the Padres, you know, front office, I'm probably exploring that right now because again, I think you just need to find ways to, again Alex it's tough to say this too because they they've had a great year but they're just not showing it on the wins so I I mean unless you can identify certain players that are not helping the team win like maybe a Josh Hader with the you know emotions in the locker room that we just don't know about maybe that's a reason then I think you got to look at it and say you know one soda will have to move you for cheaper players that we know can be with us for you know the next three or four seasons that uh are still going to be impactful players, not to your level, but, uh, you know, guys that can still be, you know, good impact for us right now. And that way we can start spending maybe more money, maybe go out there and get an Otani. Maybe maybe they they say is let's trade Soto and let's go sign Otani because we want, uh, you know, we want a a star, you know, hitter next year at the DH spot. And then hopefully in the future to be, you know, one of our aces on the mountain, but yeah, they have a lot of questions to answer this, uh, this offseason to see how they want to go.
0: I really love the pairing of Soto and Tatis. I think it's a really good fit in San Diego, but you're right in saying that um, it's something they have to consider. I, I, if I was in charge, I'm always in the run it back mode, probably more often than I should be because I was obviously um, full buy on the Angels and that blew up in, in the Angels' face. So um, I, I personally would say the Padres need to just run it back, uh, extend Soto, spend more money, try to win it all, but you know, owner's money is going to run dry uh, at some point, yeah. so he can't just um It pitch.
1: just sucks that Bogarts is is the outlier that's going to be causing them to trade Soto, it feels like, because
0: and Machado contract is not pretty either. It's, it's not pretty
1: either. It's and and yeah, it, again, it, it they it sucks a little bit because it just it, it's unfortunate that y- you commit this money and and I think with the whole Bogart signing it was the it was the rage spend that not getting judge or not getting um not getting Trey Turner, they said we have to get a big bat where the San Diego Padres. We do this every offseason now. So they went out there and said, Bogart's we're gonna give you, you know, a a record contract. And and again, now you kind of look at it and you say to yourself, man, that just it's it's unfortunate, but I don't I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Uh,
0: another guy, Travis, who might qualify for someone who Is doing better than you thought this season. Is Xander Bogarts actually at a 120 OPS plus and a a 4.3 base offense WAR? But I I think that I think (laughs) think that you're on point about how this contract is going to age. I mean, we're talking about a guy who is currently 30, going to actually be 31 in a few days here, like next week at some point. And um, happy 31st birthday, Xander. But (laughs) you're going to be paid as like a 40-something year old guy who his defense is not going to age well because it's never been his strong suit anyways. Is he going to be transitioning to uh, second base, to first base, to third base, to outfield the DH? Yeah, I don't know, but yeah. I don't see shortstop for the majority of that contract. Um, I, I, I
1: think you'd almost explore second base. And then, uh, uh some Kim. Kim is going to be shortstop because yeah. he, he's an electric young guy right now that you think can go out there and probably make the, the, the best, play possible at the shortstop spot because yeah bogarts was never a great defensive shortstop and you know that he is 30 years old it's um unfortunately it's, it's just only going to get worse it should at least the trends uh show that way
0: last thing we can touch on for this podcast travis I, I like i said i don't want them to trade soto if they did trade soto what are just some ideas that popped in your head i'll just tell you the first one that came to my head it's very dark it's very disturbing
1: well, okay. All right. I yeah, please share. Yeah, one one soda you said being traded, like yeah. yeah. I don't okay. know
0: if this team has the the picks or sorry the uh, the prospects, the capital, um, in the farm system mm-hmm. to pull this off. But I think they have the money, and that would be. The Atlanta Braves. Mm. Um, could you just see them just giving away their whole farm and just saying, "I don't care if we have the thirtieth best farm in baseball. Yeah. We'll just trade all these guys. Plus maybe a couple, maybe a couple, maybe a starter, or maybe just a couple pieces that allow um, the Padres to feel like." they can win right now to some extent and also be better set up for the future and more sustainable kind of like what the Mets did where you know the Mets are going to be competitive in a couple years if not next year but just not right now maybe the Padres could do that kind of move in the offseason by trading Soto for more depth and i could see the Braves being like hey you know i don't know what their i don't know what their um their books are at right now but i just know that Acuña albies all these guys are on these really low annual uh salary contracts that i feel like they could also get soto on a you know 35 uh million a year and just say hey 12 13 years 14 yeah. years because soto's skill set will age well i yes. mean even if the power slips a bit he's gonna be this you know 370 380 on base guy at minimum i think for a decade so well
1: and what's so unique about him that just makes him so interesting is that you're getting not only a top 10 baseball player right now but you're getting practically a prospect with his age yeah because if you told me I mean I mean I think he's only what 24 right now or 25 maybe he um, is
0: 24 we'll be 25 in October and
1: I mean there are guys making their debuts that are older than one soda right now and he's and we, I think we covered this on the last episode it's, I think Adley's older than him it's it's truly remarkable that you know a team right now would basically getting a like you mentioned a a top five at least a top five hitter right now in the game and also you're going to be getting a guy that is would, would still be a a prospect in in uh uh in in terms of age requirements or age uh
0: it, yeah I mean I, I love Adley Rushman and he's awesome but it's crazy that he is like five months older than Juan Soto like we're talking about yeah. a guy who was the number one prospect in baseball like a year ago and wants to know someone who has been a household name uh for four or five years so it's it is really crazy
1: I, and and, and maybe one team that we just don't even talk about kind of or, you know says to themselves let's just make the big franchise spend like right now you know like a team i i mean i'm just looking at certain teams right now like i'm just thinking like oh like cincinnati or like maybe uh maybe a team that we don't really talk about. Um, I, I could see the Dodgers. Think else, if but, the yeah. Dodgers
0: miss out on Otani, um, I think that they could probably get, because they just target these guys, the Dodgers that have this long track record of, you kind of know that they're going to age well. And I feel like Soto fits this mold of Mookie mm-hmm. Betts and, and Freddie Freeman, Freddie Freeman yeah. where there's just a true hitting ability with him where Soto, you can put him in right, you can put him in left, you can DH him, but you just know the bat is going to be good for a decade plus. And I feel like they could give a 12 year deal to him um, just because I think that extra length being so long is gonna help um, him favor that kind of offer. I think that obviously you want the high annual salary, but the Dodgers will say, hey, Bro, like, you know, it's gonna be you and Mookie bets for the rest of this decade, and then you'll be our franchise player um, you know, for the second half of your contract. What do you say? And I think yeah. that, that top of the lineup would be super incredible. And, it, and and they of course have the prospects to make that. They happen. do.
1: And, and you know it but the next big question is, do we ever even see a Padre's Dodgers trade deal ever happen? Like, like that right. that would be
0: it'd have to be an offer you can't
1: refuse. It, it would have to be an offer, but like like th- that would be just a slap in the face for Padre fans to say, like wow, we are literally giving this guy away to our, the guy that the team we're trying to beat right now. And so it, it would be tough, but yeah, you're again, right. if the, if the offer was on the table, that was, uh, was pretty incredible, then yeah, you're, you, you most likely are going to take it. But, uh, yeah, I, I, it, it's, he's, he's a fun guy to talk about. Um, he's going to get a, you know, minimum alex of 12 13 years you know how about
0: how about the orioles
1: and that's a good point as well because the or one thing i did i did notice and i think the owner came out and said like you know like we can't have this like fun forever like because i think the orioles owner came out actually said like i am not i do not plan on re-signing all these i i do not i do not plan on re-signing all these guys which is unfortunate because again it's i mean when you have something special like this and especially at such a young age you know you don't want to fall into the Kansas City Royals uh, category where let's go out there win a championship two years later this whole entire team is just disassembled and we are now in a full rebuild stage again I mean the Royals had a great two years those fans had a great two years but I mean for for some for a Royals fan that's my age you got to be saying to yourself like this is probably one of the saddest organizations to cheer for because we had a great two-year run but now it's just filled with like 60 win seasons we might get to 70 wins but um
0: mean they have one of the worst records this year and this is a team like you said
1: it's built on prospects yeah
0: all all their all their really good players um from that that really good run a few years back when they were in two world series those guys all got kind of picked off by other teams right that the team kind of disassembled so you hope that, that doesn't that's not a fate um that the baltimore orioles fans are gonna have to deal with and i think they have so much talent you gotta be able to say okay we can keep adley we can keep gunner mm-hmm. hopefully jackson holiday and stuff like that but um you know there there of course are always those question marks when the team has an owner who is not willing to be one of the top spenders in baseball and 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 those types of of uh, teams probably will not be in the juan soto business
1: and and i wonder if even a team like you know we we we've we, we've we i've seen photoshops of him wearing yankees pinstripes Soto. Yeah. so that that's always comes to mind and maybe the yankees kind of say we need to we, we need to go back to treating our fans to you know the old ways of we're going to get the top free agent or the top trade uh, item out there you know back in 2003 they traded for alex rodriguez with with the texas rangers and, and he was already on a monster deal with the rangers maybe they they bring in Juan soto and extend him to just a monster deal and him and judge can kind of roam that outfield for the rest of the decade and i was also thinking maybe they say maybe they say to themselves we, we we're gonna we're gonna punt maybe on a volpe and and i, I i'm just speculating i don't know of how much money they have i don't know what, what cashman's spending but maybe they say hey We'll swallow it, but we'll take Xander Bogarts too, or something like that. And and maybe we can have Xander Bogarts have a a two or three year span of of really good hitting back in the American League East. Uh, it will suck in the end of his career because it's just not going to be pretty. But maybe they say we we need to win now for the fans. Like I, I like certain teams do tend to go that route and say like I can't wait any longer. I can't I can't wait four years in a rebuilding phase. We have to win right now. Let's go do. Let's go. Let's go make some deals happen right now. Maybe they do that with the Padres. I don't know, but uh, it, it just it, I feel like Juan Soto can fit every team out there right now because of his age. And uh, if a team really wants to spend the money, I think he'll be he'll be willing to play there. Uh, so it, again, it it would be. It'll be interesting to see what happens, I will say.
0: Yeah, you mentioned the Yankees. The Mets are in the same boat in my mind where I just don't know what to expect from their offseason. Are and, they going to be big spenders? Are they going to be retoolers? I'm not sure. And,
1: and and when you mentioned, um, when you did mention the Atlanta Braves, I did think the New York Mets make sense because Cohen's going to want to say, well, I need that new big trophy. You know, Cohen every single offseason goes out there and, you know, finds a new trophy and he wants it and he takes it. And I think with his new approach of getting younger and you know still wanting that exciting you know big piece I think Juan Soto fits all or checks all, all those boxes because he's still going to have a guy that's really young and also he's going to be getting a guy that he can extend and sign for the rest of his career and so that definitely makes sense as well as seeing Juan Soto play for the New York Mets for the rest of his career too
0: and, and it's, it's an interesting scenario I don't know how much teams care about this I know that some owners, at least one owner in my mind, Travis, does care about this. Um, I wonder if any teams really are aware that if you were to trade for Juan Soto and extend him on this like super mega deal, he will probably be like go into the Hall of Fame wearing your hat. Oh, of and, course, and, yeah. And I think that a guy like Otani, even if you sign him to a ten-year deal, there's a very good chance. He goes in the Hall of Fame with an Angels hat just because yeah. the special three-year run he had was with the Angels. And if injuries kind of uh, are a factor in the second half of his career, he likely won't have a three-year stretch like like that again. And so, you know, I could see that going that way. And, and um, I don't think any owner makes a decision just because of that. But I know that Artie Moreno, when he wanted Pujols, he just had all these comments like he wants Pujols to be. Known as an angel, and that was that was just always something that was not going to happen yeah, because yeah. the Cardinals' tenure was so successful and impressive by Albert. But um, yeah, I don't he, think
1: I don't think he can do three MVPs and uh, a two World Series rings with the Angels, right? I, I, did that happen? <laughs> I, I I don't go, know. Go back in time the, to to
0: 2013 and say well, what's going to happen. I think
1: one playoff appearance and zero playoff wins happened. That, that's exactly what happened right there. Yeah,
0: and then and and then somehow. Somehow getting, actually, he got playoff wins on that contract for another team. That's (laughs) very true. For the Dodgers. But, um, yeah, I think that uh, a guy like Artie Moreno, he even has pools on, like, a 10-year, like, $1 million per year contract that's in effect right now, like, during his retirement, for him to be, like, a team liaison, like, a team kind of figure in the locker locker room he's not there all the time obviously but he was like there for like the miguel cabrera thing like they just kind of keep bringing him back and looping him into spring training and stuff like that so
1: yeah and that's a good point um uh miguel cabrera you know he's final what four four games left of his career um uh it's yeah i mean again it, it's another who's, guy that's been around gonna,
0: who's gonna get him this off season? no, no. exactly yeah he, he's he'll, of he'll, he'll
1: sign a, a, a liaison with the uh the detroit tigers but uh no, um, sh- should we even bring up the Oakland A's gift that they gave to him? Go for it. Uh, so I, I, you know, most it it, it got turned. It, the publicity, the publicity was so funny on that one. Uh, you know, every team gifts Miguel Cabrera um, something that you know is uh, significant to maybe like that area that 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 the stadium that he's at is uh, is located. So, for instance, when Miguel Cabrera visited the Angels. The angels being you know near the beach and uh, near beach cities they gifted him a, sur- a pretty cool surfboard with like all this milestone so it's something you'd hang up in like your basement or like your den somewhere is like oh this is like my like man cave room and like this is what the angels got me when miguel or i'm sorry when uh marion rivera visited the minnesota twins i think they gifted him like a rocking chair with like made of just broken bats which is really cool and creative you got to think about uh having that in your home that that's pretty cool to have but the Oakland A's, uh, and it, it, of course it made all types of national media on Twitter or on Instagram, but they gifted uh, Miguel Cabrera, you know, a, a, a million dollar plus franchise in the Oakland A's, uh, not a great RAN organization, but they are worth more than a million dollars. They gift Miguel Cabrera a uh, an $80 bottle of wine. Uh, now people did mention it's a good bottle of wine. It, it it is very good. But I
0: think someone said like the owner like invested in that like winery or something like that. But it's 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 just a lack of.
1: It, it's just it's just a holy crap! We forgot to get him a gift. Hey, Marcotte, can you stop at Bevmo on the way to the stadium today and pick up a bottle of wine? That's going to be the gift for Miguel Cabrera, which is just
0: and no, you will not be reimbursed. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> exactly. But it I, it was just such a. It's such a funny thing to see from a franchise that has just been making the news for the wrong reasons this year in the Oakland A's. Uh, But it's just kind of the cherry on top for the Oakland A's this year and the season that they're having and the seasons that they will have because uh, from everything that it looks like, they're going to be making the move to Las Vegas. So um, I just wanted to throw that out there, Alex, because, you know, a... Wanted to give kudos and props to Miguel Cabrera, you know, first round Hall of Famer, one of the best pure hitters of the 21st century, but it's just so funny that uh, going to Oakland, he gets a $8 bottle of wine. You, w- you would have thought maybe like some kind of other cool uh, you know, they they could have been they, they, you could have had a social media team for Oakland A's. You know, get together and think of like what what are five cool things we could potentially give to him that you know would be special to the area. Like you know, what's what's in Northern California? Yeah, wineries. Let, let's think of something maybe something cooler. We can do some sort of like uh, vineyard design or you know, people even give paintings. People literally even give paintings of Miguel Cabrera or or of players that they uh, of something special. So. I, I wanted to throw that out there, Alex. Uh, I know we we I think I sent it to you and a couple other guys uh, about that, but it was just uh, it, was, it was it was pretty it was pretty funny. I, I will mention.
0: Um, just to uh, last thing before we go, Travis, we probably uh, missed something to start the episode. We probably should have mentioned the unfortunate passing of MLB legend Brooks Robinson. That's right, another one. Yeah. Um, I feels like a lot of guys who. Travis, when we were growing up, you see him in like the video games we play. You know, we see him old trading cards, old uh, famous, you know, videos on YouTube of like, you know, best players of the 70s and 80s and 60s. A lot of these guys are unfortunately passing away recently. But Brooks Robinson now, um, for those that don't know, if you listen to the baseball podcast, you probably know about him. But uh, third baseman for the Orioles, uh, a Hall of Famer. I think he has the record
1: for the most gold gloves of all time, a career for a position player, I would think. Yeah,
0: a 16 gold gloves, 18 all-star game appearances, um, a World Series MVP, two World Series rings, uh, a regular season MVP as well. Um, someone who played uh, for the same franchise his whole career. And I think just known for being one of the best defensive players mm-hmm. of all time. Uh, certainly, I would, I would say most people would say unanimously the best third baseman uh, defensively of all time. If you look at his prime, Travis, it's just like MVP nine, MVP one, MVP three, MVP two, like we're just considered um by voters as one of the best players in the sport for the whole stretch of his prime um in his late 20s. So a really, a really great player um that is, you know, is of course very sad. And I did have a Sarah Langs stat about him that um I'm in the process of, of finding again so right here um of course sarah lang's on twitter is just great with like finding a random stat that you never uh thought you needed to know but when you hear it you're like wow that's kind of impressive brooks robinson holds the record for most games where he drove in the only run in a one in a one to zero win with 10 so he had 10 of those in his career and of course the orioles won uh, last night of his passing one zero, so it's just kind of a little coincidence there. That's a fun thing you always get in the world of baseball. But does this give
1: the Orioles just the the extra fuel?
0: Did Hank Aaron pass away in twenty twenty one?
1: I think the, w- w- it when, was the, the year the last year the year the Braves I, I, won. It, I, honestly, or? it's it's kind of sad because I mean there there are so many guys that you.
0: I, I was wondering you to think like is there a Hank Aaron, or do they not yeah. right was there a Hank Aaron tied to that 2021 it,
1: it was january of 2021 so yeah it was that it was before um, the, the braves won it so it was before the braves won it so it's kind of a that tribute
0: it's kind of that that juju yeah um maybe that maybe the orioles have uh have some extra mojo about themselves but obviously someone who um was super legendary i i think um Johnny Bench had a cool tweet. I mean, Johnny Bench. I don't know why he's on Twitter. He's like so old. He's like, what? How old do you think he is? He's oh like God, 70
1: yeah, seventy something. I, I did, Yeah, I don't. I don't. Yeah.
0: Whatever he is, obviously up there. Um, he he said something about um, in the World Series where he was up against uh Brooks Robinson. He said that he went like 0 for 4 on balls hit to third base, something like mm, that. Just like yeah. a, just a cool way of he didn't even mention his name, but you you know exactly what he's talking about, right? Yeah. So um. I, obviously a really sad loss, um, for the baseball world, a great player. Um, and yeah, it just joins in the list of legends that unfortunately, um, are passing away. But I think that, you know, a team like the Orioles right now, the fun young team, um, will probably, uh, do well to pay tribute, um, in, in, in a breakout season themselves. Definitely.
1: So. Definitely. I yeah, know it, it, that, that's something I'm looking forward to touch on. The next episode is just, uh, going over some of these like postseason previews and, uh, Dissecting that a little bit more because uh, it's it will be uh, it 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 really should be a uh, an outstanding playoffs because of so many new teams we're seeing right now and as the uh, as the coming days uh, come and go, Alex, it again there's gonna be a lot of could be a lot of changes coming up uh, over the next three or four days that I'm I'm pretty excited to see Uh, massive massive series this weekend. It's gonna be uh, Texas at Seattle. Right now, Seattle is the third-place team in the West. They did win today. I think they're only a half game behind the Astros right now uh, for that sixth seed. But uh, yeah, right now, Seattle is not in a playoff position. And uh, right now, Texas leads the division. That could completely flip-flop by Sunday. It'll be really fun to see that.
0: And then Texas, um, they were up 2-0 against the Angels in the ninth right now. But then they put up three runs off two homers. Oh, I thought you were going to say the Angels came back. On Carlos Estevez. So, um, Travis, it looks like that's going to be shaping up for a really important, impactful weekend in the American League wildcard race. Also, the NL Wildcard uh, race has some unfinished business. So we will cover all that in the next episode. Really excited to see how those races end up. And I, I really don't know who we're gonna be talking about, who of who gets left out of that AL wildcard spot. It's gonna be a team either, you know, I think it could be the it could be the Mariners, the uh Astros, or the Rangers, right? Could could the Blue could the Blue Jays fall out as well?
1: Blue Jays could our Blue Jays have not clinched anything yet. So the Blue Jays could in fact fall out of it too. I think they actually this weekend are home. I think it's a four-game series against the Rays, which Mm. could be interesting because, um, if I'm not mistaken, if they split the series or, I I don't know, if basically nothing happens in the standings... You are looking at a raised Toronto wild card in Tampa, so mm. it, it's kind of interesting that that's going to be like a weekend preview to what we might see in a couple days down in Tampa, uh, Florida for our for that wild card series. So you probably could see some guys not getting some starts because you might be thinking to themselves, "We don't want them to. We don't want them to see Gosman right now. I you know, we, we don't want them to see uh, uh, Kikuchi, or we don't want them to see some of these other guys that uh, it, it could really play out in a." uh, in a fun fashion. Yeah.
0: And and the rays are a team who've kind of solidified their spot in the playoffs. And they are probably thinking like, we are not going to show you any of our tricks of our sleeve in this series. So maybe especially
1: since even last year, we saw, you know, the rays uh, quickly out of the playoffs. Uh, Right. They're, they're hoping to make a, a, uh, a, a good run this year because, you know, back to 2021, they were the best team in the American league. They, uh, they lost to the red Sox And then last year they got swept in a painful, wild card series with the guardians, Alex, I think that was like a total of what 20 innings played and only like combined, like five runs scored in like 23 innings out of, out of all those playoff games. So that was a, that was kind of a, uh, not, not good for the ratings. I'll say that, right. uh, uh, playoff series, but it, it should be really fun. And, uh, we're really looking forward to the weekend and, and, and we're, how we're going to see some of these teams match up, Alex, what if I told you that the Yankees, the Astros, the mets and the cardinals will not be making the playoffs and the potter's are not making the playoffs i mean talk about i i mean i, I mean right now on the,
0: no one's bingo card
1: we of we, course astro's mm, still in it just kind of astro's still in it but they're the sixth seed right now and yeah. and it's very it's very interesting to see that they are only a half a game away and, from and being, who's, the, who's their last series their last series I, I believe it's they're playing the diamondbacks but i don't know if it's at arizona or if it's home uh in houston but uh, the Diamondbacks too are also fighting for their life because they have not clinched uh, anything yet. Right now, they hold the second place uh, spot or the second wild card spot. But with Chicago and Miami uh, a game behind, you know anything can happen. It's it's fun to look at all that stuff.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm just seeing a clip now of, I guess, Hector Neris struck out uh, Julio Rodriguez and started barking at him and yelling at, at the batter after <laughs> he struck him out, like in a pretty aggressive way. But um, yeah, Travis, uh, on the next episode coming up, we will have uh, a full wrap-up on, you know, which teams are making the playoffs, which uh, matchups are kind of going to be the most intriguing ones to watch in that first round wild card stuff. And then we also, of course, have to get through are all MLB teams. We didn't get a touch on awards at all today, really. Um, Garrett Cole had a great outing today. I believe it was nine shutout innings. Uh, Blake Snell had one of the most impressive last you know, couple months of the season in terms of how many earned runs he's allowing per his, uh, each start. So I think that there's going to be a lot of fun conversations to be had about the Cy Young choices, the MVP choices, as well as, of course, our all MLB team for 2023. A lot of fun conversations next episode. So Travis, that's all I have for today. But listeners, thank you so much if you made it this far. And we'll talk to you guys next week.
1: Presented by Tool Tools Podcast. (laughs)